to down to down to. Yeah. Miffed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I know it. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. I don't use it. It's a real one. I don't use it. Not in your vocab? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media, also DailyThunder.com, and you can find us on Dash Radio, 5 o'clock Central Time. Michele is here, and there's so much to talk about. So the Thunder are on an eight-game win streak. Uh, they've been absolutely phenomenal. They're 30-20. and 20. They're fifth in the Western Conference currently, ninth in offense at a 107.3, fifth in defense, 103.3. They're tied with Golden State currently in that category, and then fifth in net rating. They have a really good point differential. They have a better point differential than the Wolves and the Spurs and nearly the same as the Celtics. This is a really good team. Paul George is now an all-star. Melo hit 25,000 points. So I'm giving you all the good news. And then also Andre Robertson's out for the year. Um, Torn Patella tendon. Uh, Just absolutely sickening. Just awful. I mean, in in the scale of like NBA awful things, because uh, I deal with like a lot of like real life awful things on a daily basis, but in the scale of like NBA awful things, I guess it's pretty awful. Yeah, it's been a tough tough week for the NBA. I mean, yeah. it's not just uh, it's not just Andre, but <clears throat> Demarcus and right. even Mike Conley. So it's a rough week basketball wise, uh, and the game like the Detroit game was kind of the <laughs> like the the full emotion of the of the. Um, Okay, see Thunder fan right now. Up until like the third quarter, I mean, Thunder was playing probably the best defense I ever seen him play mm-hmm. uh, against like a close to all star player in Tobias Harris. And then that happened. I mean, I think OKC reached that the peak of, of like being very good at pushing the uh, the button at the right moment. Like mm-hmm. they were shutting down Detroit completely. They went on a crazy run, and then that happened. Right and. And so, yeah, that is that is terrible. But uh, I, I thought today about how to approach this, and I think that the best way to to um, for OKC to to handle this is to 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 see under under um, injury as new opportunities. I know it is tough to see it like it like that, but for him and for the team, the next few months are full of opportunities mm-hmm. because I mean, uh, Paul George knows how this team can be. Like he. he he knows after this stretch, after like basically after November, this team has it. So it is a good situation to win. And like even if uh, Anders' injury probably will change the outlook of this season, I'm not sure it changed the outlook of what Paul George feels. I'm not sure he's he came here to win a title immediately. So uh, OKC has opportunities to to find other ways uh, inside their roster or outside. To, to try to make it work. And Andre, on the other end, has like six, five months, like after the first uh, month of recovery, um, five months to practice other stuff of, of, of his game, other aspect of his game. If you remember how Russ came back from his injury, his shooting motion was completely changed from like the, the um, in the lower part. 
because he had to adjust to his new uh, knees and new new way to um, to land on his feet because it was too much uh, on his knee uh, for his knee to to handle that. And so probably Andre has, has the same opportunity to 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 be a different shooter, a different basketball player. And six months, seven months of focusing on one stuff because you can you you cannot do other other things. Uh, may be important also for him. So let's take it as new opportunities for OKC. I know it's tough uh, because it sucks to have like a player like that in this year when he was probably in the depoy conversation mm-hmm. for the first time in his career. Yep. It sucks, I know, but there are opportunities out there to be taken. Sure. And it also gives an opportunity for Paul George to be like a significant candidate for the Defensive Player of the Year if the Thunder can hold on to their defense, which I have my doubts about. Uh, but I think I have a chance. Like yesterday, I was shocked at what they did yesterday. I oh, thought yeah. they would lose this game. Second night of a back-to-back, you lose your best defender and your starting two guard. Like all the excuses are there in place for the Thunder to lose, even if they lose a close game. Like it's all there. Like we can explain that away today. But they showed up, and some of it is that there's like this beef between Russ and Joel Embiid, which is just beautiful. It's like one of the be- <laughs> one of the best things about the NBA right now. Uh, you know, Joel's dunk on Russ, and then Russ retaliating, and so I mean, it was just what a phenomenal game, and what a phenomenal game from that team. I mean, Russ and Paul George really, really stepped up, and Stephen Adams, holy crap! Yesterday, he was so good. Like I oh, kept yeah. saying, like, how are they going to stop Joel? Like, he, he cannot be stopped. But how you do it is what Steven did yesterday, is you just wear him down throughout the course of a game. And you just keep playing with him. And Adams is stronger than Joel. He is a better rebounder than Joel. He had 10 offensive rebounds. 10! McKellie, yeah, 10! That, that's insane. <laughs> he was 20 and 13, two assists. He was incredible on both ends last night. I mean, what a gutsy win from that Thunder team who, you know, Jeremy Grant came in and played good minutes and he closed the game for them. It was one of the questions that I had going into the game is like, we know that Ferguson's going to start, but who's going to close the game? He went with, uh, he went with Grant last night. He also, Billy also mentioned that he will go to Patrick Patterson at times too, uh, which is interesting because, you know, they, they really just need another wing and like both those guys are power forwards, you know, in Grant's case, I think he's better as a center. Uh, they they need another wing pretty badly because he doesn't really trust Josh all that much. And Josh, like, I th- we've both been kind of clamoring for him to play more and the numbers say good things about him. Uh, but the truth is that he can't really defend two guards on a consistent basis. Uh, Ferguson's too young, but he's getting better. Like, he is flat out been much, much better than he was at the beginning of the season. He's improving uh, and then, I mean, Alex is, Alex Abrinas is buried. Like he played for two minutes and 36 seconds yesterday and pretty much did nothing. He fouled, he had two fouls in the two minutes and 36 seconds and that was it. And it feels very much like they're done with him. Like we, you talked about opportunities. It doesn't really feel like there's much of an opportunity for him here. Uh, with the trade deadline, basically almost a week away, like a week and a half away. Uh, I I would almost assume that the Thunder go get somebody and you know bury Alex for good for the rest of the season. But what what are your thoughts? I just said so many things, but give me your thoughts on anything that stuck out to you. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, let's start for the um, uh, but from from the end. I mean, I think Alex had some opportunity this season, maybe not in some ideal uh, lineups and some ideal moments of the games. He had no continuity from from the bench, uh, from from the, from the, the coaching staff. But uh, I mean, you have to take them if you are a good good player. You have to take those opportunities, and he, he had like a few games where it started and the defense wasn't there. Uh, like you have to be better uh, mm-hmm. on the defensive end if you want to play for for Billy. That is a thing that is common for all the players he had. I mean, even Doug McDermott last season wasn't playing as much because of that. Um, about Eustis, so this is the uh, like he played an under 120 possession with the starters. Guess the net rating. Oh, it's got to be positive, like plus eight. Let's double that. Uh, really? In in non uh, like this is clean the glass stats, okay. uh, which uh, takes out all the garbage time. Uh, garbage time. Mm-hmm. It is one hundred and twenty seven point five with an effective field goal of fifty seven point two, and an, an offensive rebound rate of forty three point three percent, which is <laughs> which is oh. insane, wow. insane. Yeah. And the, like the defensive defensive side is not incredibly nice. I mean it's. Um, 111 points so it's and this lineup is giving up many many free throws but i mean those numbers are worth exploring again Mm -hmm. so i and uh, to be honest i mean last night against philly there was a time when he was with the starters in the third quarter and they made a run like a 10-0 run 10 nothing run uh, in the third when he was uh, um, uh, the um, the shooting guard uh, in that lineup even if he I mean, I think he provides some defense. I, I know that he, I mean, you cannot play him maybe starter minutes, like 25 to 30. But in the end, coming playoffs time, you have like an eight, nine man rotations. And Josh, Josh can be part of that. Yeah. And he, he will be a solid five to 10 minutes player, even like for sparse minutes in the in, uh, coming playoffs time. So I think it's, for Josh, there is a real opportunity to step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was referring mainly to him because Ferguson. I mean, it is a development year. The year this one, even if he plays like good basketball as Thomas was playing last year, it, I don't see him play in like regular minutes uh, in the postseason. So yeah. I, when I when I was talking opportunity, I was mainly referring to Josh, which is a good defender and should should play. And so you, you, if you take out Robertson from the picture, then you have like. 25 minutes to um, to split among your guys. I think it's uh, wise to split part of that uh, with Patterson and uh, and Grant because Grant is good at closing out because his length, uh, his length can bother a shooter and that happened in the uh, final few minutes of the game yesterday. So, mm-hmm. uh, and focusing a bit more on, on yesterday, I mean, Russ started the game shooting basically 0-4, 12, 10 or close to that like <laughs> yeah, it was three was three it was awful mm-hmm. and okc was like holding i mean they didn't i mean when your best player starts like that you can you can like several times say well this is not our night right but they competed even mm-hmm. if the second unit wasn't great they competed all along they they fight back. They fought back uh, to uh, to close the game. To close the the, um, the first half, not it was like uh, five uh, five or, or seven points uh, differential. I don't remember exactly the number. And then in the third, they really pushed the gas, and 
it, it was over, basically. Yeah. So it, it is very, very impressive after what happened in Detroit to be able in not even 24 hours to be that effective on a basketball court. Oh, yeah. And, and Russell, man, Russell was so good last night. He and Paul oh, George yeah. both. But Russell's, he was relentless as an attacker. I mean, that high pick and roll, he would go to the basket almost every time. He was finding the right people. He even had that uh, down the stretch. He hit a, a spot up three that I just thought looked so good. Like he was in the right spot, was able to set himself and swish. Like he can he can be a good spot up guy. He just rarely yeah. he just rarely spots up. Um, but I thought that was really impressive. Uh, Adams, like we mentioned, was just phenomenal, and they were still able to play good defense against a Philly team that's really good. I think. Yeah. You know, we, they have pretty good personnel to deal with Philly because they've got, you know, Ben Simmons, who you really just have to handle around the basket. You have Joel Embiid, who you, I mean, the Thunder maybe have the best guy to deal with him and Steven Adams. Um, mm-hmm. And then they don't really have anybody else that can score from the perimeter. You know, they're missing JJ Redick, and I think Redick could have could have been an opportunity for him to go off against a team like the Thunder um, that don't that didn't have. Robertson, but I'm really, really interested to see how they play uh, in Washington because there's mm-hmm. those two guards they have to deal with. You know, they have um, Luau Cabarro. Like, he's a fine athletic player and is maybe a better defender than Redick is, but you don't really have to worry about him. And no. so, you know, you have to, obviously, we saw Brad Beal here last week who is just absolutely phenomenal. You've got to worry about him, and you have John Wall. And so I think that that will be a huge test for this team. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I expect their win streak, to it's going to end at some point, and it wouldn't surprise me if that was the night that it ended uh, on the road against a tough team that you just played. Uh, now you're, you're down, Robertson. But, you know, this team showed a resiliency that I hadn't seen before, and they showed a grit that I hadn't seen before. And they continued this win streak, and they looked really, really good uh, let's just hope that there's some beef started between Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook between now and Tuesday to uh, get this team geared up for it. Because honestly, I think they had a lot to do with it. Like Russell was a man possessed last night. And it was because he wanted to stick it to Joel Embiid. And so if we can find ways to uh, create beef between Russell and the rest of his opponents between now and April, I think that that would be really helpful to the Thunder team. Yeah. Also, can I make two points of uh, last last night about yeah. Russ's game? Because I mean, you remember the first possession of the game, like offensive possession of the game, what Russell did? He set an off ball screen for Paul George. Yeah. That was so unconventional. <laughs> so, uh, like, unconventional I, I, might I, be an understatement for Russell Westbrook yeah. to set an off ball screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, two other stuff. I mean, at a certain at a certain point. When like the it was on the first place in the top ten of the NBA, when Embiid dunked on him, mm-hmm. I I went back and looked closely to Russ's feet. They were outside the cylinder, so he actually made the, a great defensive play. Of wow. course, you don't you, you don't. You, I mean, if you're a referee and you you are not hundred percent sure that that is was a clean defensive possession, you you let it go. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the referee went uh, got it wrong, but Russ made a good play defensively instead of like, like don't care and do other stuff. And so he was doing the little thing we advocate him to do, like for basically his entire career, mm-hmm. and just because he was locked in. So, like 
those stuff matters. And, and, and as you point out, the, the, the spot-up trees, uh, the off-ball movements, so we are starting to see a bit more of that. If we can build upon that, now that Robertson is not there uh, and there's basically no one who uh, occupies those cutting, cutting areas, I think that OKC, again, has opportunities to, to, um, to find new ways to score. And, and last night, last thing about last night, um, they took uh, 12 mid-range shots, like bad mid-rangers. The one, uh, the, mid, mid, the mid-range from, say, uh, 10 to 12 uh, feet uh, up to the 3.9. Which is awesome for OKC. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, Melo was taking the ball again outside the three-point line. He was letting him fly. I don't care about the percentage. I just want him to take more trees. Yeah. And and Russ was taking, like, his usual amount, but always from the ball, always to keep the defense honest. We, we have to be okay with that shot. It, mm-hmm. it is not going away. Um, but for the rest, I think that OKC was disciplined. Uh, about searching the best shot they 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 could uh, find. Yeah, they were phenomenal, and they they're just they figured out how to play together. And offensively, that's what really matters. And this team, you know, they may end up dropping out of the top five defensively. I think they probably will. Um, but if they can stay in the top ten, and now they have a top ten offense, you know, in the month of January, they have the second best offense. You rewind back to November, they were twenty fifth. In offense in yeah. November twenty fifth, like they've clearly figured this out. Obviously, this win streak is going to end, and they will have some bad games going forward. But I think that they're cemented as a good team now. Without Robertson, I think like it's a game changer, and it really everything now hinges on what Sam is able to do at the trade deadline. Like, is mm-hmm. Sam going to be able to go get a starting two guard? And if he can do that, if he can get a Courtney Lee. Alec Burks, Avery Bradley, if you can get one of those guys to come in, none of those guys are going to be nearly as good defensively as Robertson, but if they can be, you know, half as good on defense and then, you know, quite a bit better on offense, then like maybe this team even gets better as an offensive team and they don't have to rely so much on their defense to, to win games. So it all hinges on that for me. Because now Mm -hmm. like the ceiling of the slender team has been lowered significantly. Like I, I don't, it's so much more difficult for them to compete with the likes of Houston and Golden State without Robertson because he allows he takes a lot of worry out on the defensive end because you know that he's going to handle James Harden. He's one of the best defenders on James Harden in the NBA. Uh, he'll do the stuff with Clay. Same thing with Clay Thompson. He can, you know, make him a non-equation. Just take him out of it, and then you have less to worry about. You still have a lot to worry about, but you have less to worry about when you have Robertson out there. Uh, but n- now they've they've got a massive hole to fill, and Terrence Ferguson, I I like him a lot more than I did at the beginning of the season. The Thunder aren't playing a 19 year old rookie in the playoffs. The Thunder don't no. play rookies in the playoffs. They went and they got Todd Gibson because they did not want to play Demonis Sabonis in the playoffs. You know they went and they got um, Randy Foy because they did not want to play uh, Cameron Payne in the playoffs. They just don't. They never played Jeremy Lamb in the playoffs. They did the same. They went and got Karan Butler. Like they just don't play rookies in the playoffs. They're not going to play these young guys. They don't think are ready. So I don't think that you're going to see Terrence Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson starting for this team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to go get a vet, and you know we can we can run through some names. Alex Spears and I are going to do a. Uh, 
basically a whole episode of trade calls on Wednesday, so we can mm-hmm. break those down a little bit more. But let's go through some names that make sense for OKC. Um, yeah, let's just do that. Give me give me some names, McKelly. Yeah. Do you remember first who was the last rookie to play consistent minutes coming playoffs time for OKC? Steven Adams, probably. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that 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 playoff run was great with yeah. the Robert, uh, with the uh, Randolph punching him. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I I fell I fell in love for him. I mean, yeah. like like that 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 massive dude punched him in the face and he. <laughs> barely moved right he just kind of like stumbled a little bit like he like yeah, yeah, took yeah, over yeah. his shoelace or something yeah <laughs> I, I mean if it was me i would probably have like died in the in the spot right. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and adams is i mean he's an exception to so many different rules like in the yeah. nba um i didn't think he was gonna be ready i remember we did an over under podcast i did it with anthony slater before the season and one of my questions was over under 100 NBA minutes for Steven Adams that year. And I think we may have both said under. Like we both thought that he was going to be with um, the, be in the D League. And, yeah. You know. But Anthony was a very huge fan of him. Yeah, of he Stone was. Cold Steven Adams. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> he sure was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, names. Um, I went through some stats uh, about like. Two-way players, or so-called two-way players, and of course the names are the usual ones: uh, Carney Lee, um, Avery Bradley, uh, Jonathan Simmons, Garrett Temple, and that those are the names where I dig a little bit more on the stats. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 funny thing is that no one has positive metrics defensively yeah and on the top of that jonathan simmons has a a, like a crazy high uh, usage rate like 22.5 which is which is no 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 it's something that you want to stay away i think that part of that is because of the guys um like the lineups where they are playing like they're six man kind of right yeah, Simmons, yes. But mm-hmm. uh, I was referring more to Lee, Bradley, and Temple. Yeah. They are playing with starting units. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, well, maybe Temple a little bit less, but they are not playing with good defenders. And they are mostly, uh, most likely playing against the other the opponent starters. So, Cardinal Lee has to play with Ennis. And I love Ennis, but he's not a good defensive player. And on the top of that, you have uh, Jared Jack and Tib Hardaway. So, you, you can... Like you can say that part of the Cardinal Lee numbers are like are skewed by by this fact. Mm-hmm. On on the other side, like, I mean, Cardinal Lee is one of the best three point shooter available. Like he is in the ninth ninth percentile uh, on basically every uh, three point area, corner threes, uh, uh, over the break. So if you can get him, I mean, I think he's by far the best fit. Yeah. Bradley has weird numbers. Uh, for, so for the last few seasons, he has been uh, spoke about as a good defender. But if you if you look at all the metrics, I mean, from from the last few seasons, the two in Boston and this one in Detroit, he has his haven't like his numbers are not good. Like by by any means, uh, the the team is worse defensively with him on the court, and this is hard to explain because the eye test tells you that he is a good on ball defender mm-hmm. and probably is very bad off ball defender. And sometimes in the modern NBA, being being like a 
an aware defender is more important than being the best uh, on-ball guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure which direction OKC should take. Uh, if Curtin Lee is available and you can get him, I think it's a no-brainer. Even if you have to, to give away three players to get him. Yeah, that's and that's where OKC is kind of in a tough spot because they don't have like a big expiring contract to get any of these guys. And so, you know, if you are going to get like a Garrett Temple, like I don't, I don't think Garrett Temple is worth giving up Alex Sabrinas for. Mm-hmm. Like I think that he is probably more of just a guy that they just dump a few players for. Maybe the Thunder give him a second round, give a second round pick. So like a Temple trade, like. Singler, Houston, Dakari Johnson for Garrett Temple, you know, and the Thunder throwing a second round pick. Like, I think something like that's more fair. Like, I don't think you're giving up Alex Sabrinas for him. Um, Courtney Lee's a little bit different, though, because I think Courtney Lee holds way more value than a guy like Garrett Temple does. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be tough to get to to his number will be the mm-hmm. most difficult thing because he's at almost 12 million. Yeah. Um, and he's got a little bit longer of a deal. So I mean, like that's where you do throw in Abrinas, Singler, and then who else would I mean? Do you throw Josh in there and give them a chance at him? Like, would you rather give up Jeremy Grant or Josh Eustis? That's tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, either of the two is, is they are not deal breakers. So yeah. if New York's if New York wants Jeremy. Um, I think they need to trade him yeah. uh, to get Cardinelli. Um, unless you think that Alec Burks is, you can get him for less and he will play for you. Because that is the the, the thing that worries me the most about Burks. The, 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 the offensive numbers are far better for Burks mm-hmm. compared to the other ones. And the, the defensive numbers are like not great, but whatever. I mean... Um, we know that we, we will not get anything close to to Andre, so I mean, probably you have to you have to you don't you don't have to expect to to get a very good defender. Yeah. So if you if you can get Burks for just Abrinas and Singler and a few second rounders, and on the other hand you have Courtney Lee that you need to add just uh, Josh Eustis. I'm not even sure so. that you have to give second rounders for Burks because I just don't know. Yeah, probably so. their, I'm not sure that he's a part of their plans. Probably so. I don't know. So the, if the difference is substantial, you have to really think about it. Yeah. And so probably if it is Grant, then I might. I mean, I know that on the on the starting of the season, I was very critical, but I think that Jeremy made huge steps. Yeah. Uh, in the right direction. And so if your plan is to sign Lee and the center from the buyout market, then it may be okay anyway. Yeah. But uh, you have to have a like, clear plan in mind before doing that. Would you do Abrinas and Ferguson for Avery Bradley? I don't works? know. It works. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. And probably Detroit does it. Uh, I don't know. That might be the only deal that, that they would accept from OKC at this point. Because yeah. the Thunder don't yeah. have a second round or a first round pick to trade until like 2022. Yeah. And the Thunder you know, probably aren't trading that pick anyways. You know, my answer would be no. Probably. Because, I mean, it's one year. It's a rental of a guy that most likely will not change your outcome. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if all your hopes uh, hinge on 
Bradley being part of what Robertson was, and you give up uh, like a, a good rookie to do so. I don't think it's smart. I don't yeah. think it's smart. Yeah, that doesn't seem um, like a deal that Presty would do. It's, I mean, Avery Bradley, uh, like in your head, like Avery Bradley is like everything that Thunder need, right? Um, on paper, it doesn't look good. Like his number, his numbers aren't good, and it's hard to reconcile that. It's hard to reconcile that he's not a good defender when you see. And I think where he gets most of his reputation is the way he's defended Steph Curry over the years. Is that he has maybe bothered him more than anybody else in the NBA. Uh, but it's hard to reconcile those bad numbers. He has not been good as an offensive player for Detroit. Um, he takes way too many shots. He takes, yeah, he takes a lot of dumb shots. I don't. I mean, yeah. it's 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 just tough. And you have the. I mean, this. I guess this has been settled now. But you have the sexual assault allegation yeah. that's been settled outside of court. And generally, the Thunder stay away from guys like that. Yeah, and so that may be like. I mean, the Thunder do are going to do their work, their due diligence, and maybe they find out that it was nothing. Uh, but a lot of reports tend to indicate that it was not nothing. And so, if the Thunder yeah. do their work and they find out that there was something to that, I just think that the Thunder don't even go near him because of that. Mm-hmm. And that they go after maybe a Garrett Temple or an Alec Burks or Courtney Lee or somebody like that instead. And after you kind of dig around a little bit. I mean, the only thing that maybe is better for Bradley than all those guys is his reputation. Is as a NBA player is just a lot better. Not his like him as a dude reputation, obviously not good. Um, but as a player, I mean, you look at those other guys and some like their measurables are probably a lot better than Avery Bradley's too. Um, and the Thunder always have wanted to start a bigger two guard that can defend next to Russell, and Avery Bradley's not that either. Mm. Um, I, with that said, like if the Thunder did get Avery Bradley, I would be ecstatic because I do think that that helps this team tremendously. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it gives them a shot again to be in the conversation with you know, Houston, uh, but it doesn't guarantee a title. It doesn't guarantee nope. anything. And, you know, the Thunder would probably have a really, really tough time re-signing him in the off season. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know what the market is for an Avery Bradley at this point. You know, last summer it looked like, wow, like this guy's going to get twenty million a year. I mean, I would be pretty surprised if that happened next summer with the way that he's played and the oh yeah the legal trouble and stuff like that. I mean, it would be a huge. I mean, the Thunder could technically get him, you know, for whatever number that he's asking for, but it would be a a huge. The luxury tax bill would just be through the roof. And so he's purely a rental. You know, if you're the Thunder, obviously Alex Abrinas would be probably the starting piece. And then, you know, if the Thunder take Ferguson off the table, then, you know, they're looking to fill another, like, two and a half million in salary. And it's just tough because, like, they probably don't really care anything about getting a Jeremy Grant or a Josh Eustace or a Dakari Johnson. Mm. Like, they don't care about any of those guys. And there's probably a team out there that's willing to give a first rounder for him, and then that's it, right? Yeah. Another, I mean, idea that I have from like a couple of days now is Winslow. So for yeah. that guy, I'm okay giving up Ferguson sure. because he, he's uh, like he's 21. Uh, he has experience. He probably his value is not at the, through the roof right now, mm-hmm. even if he's hitting his current three now. 
so, I mean, if you can get him, you can put him Ferguson and Eustace to get him because he has like uh, two million and, and like two and a half, a bit more than two and a half. Mm-hmm. So under save money on that deal too. Yeah, exactly. So you, if you can like take that direction, sure, do that. Um, maybe throw in Singler and get like another player that Miami doesn't want. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is fine with me. Uh, because again, you, you you bet on just his potential to be a defender. He is a winner. He, I mean, I mean, I mean that you, would you can be phenomenal if they could yeah, swing that deal. Exactly. So I don't know if Miami wants to do that, but I'm sure that Miami will have trouble to sign Winslow to any contract yeah. because they they are like for the next three years they are they don't have a, a good situation cap wise, uh, and so to give like 10 millions or something like that to Winslow will not be easy. So maybe they are willing to push the window a bit forward uh, with Ferguson, which he showed like potential to be, to be something. And they have like a crazy good program. He is a shooter. So it fits what, what, what they do. And maybe Winslow can be your starting two guard uh, defensively and taking just for the trees. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it can be like your, say, your second wing. Yeah. Or, or I, like. I just know that he's played probably. And I don't. I'd have to. Let me look at this up real quick. Because I. Yeah, he's, he's playing power forward minions. Yeah. That's for I was sure. going to say, I think that he's played more. Probably but power I think forward it's, minutes than he has shooting guard minutes. I know, but I think. I feel that. This, this was more uh, him offensively being a four mm-hmm. than defensively. So I'm not sure about that. Well, and to be fair, Andre Robertson probably plays more power forward minutes than shooting guard minutes on every other team in the NBA too. Yeah, exactly. So he played 15% uh, of Miami's minutes at power forward and 19% um, at power forward. That is not uh, about his percentage, but the percentage of the among the team minutes. And he was more effective um, on the shooting, the, the uh, small forward position in terms of effective field goal. Yeah, he's uh, played 56% anyway. as a power forward, 45% yeah. as a small forward, yeah. none yeah. at shooting guard. This season, then 2% of shooting guard his first year, and then his rookie season, 4% as a shooting guard. But the Thunder do just like they like to have a big wing out there. And if you can get a yeah. guy that was a lottery pick and still on his rookie contract, he was a 10th pick in the draft and really thought, everybody thought that he should have gone higher than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be another steal. And, and like a total Presti move. Like of any of these guys that we've mentioned, like if they could pull this off for a Ferguson for Justice Winslow swap, basically... I mean, that's a, I feel like that's a home run type of deal, even if he doesn't pan out, because you you get a guy that was selected a lot higher in the draft, a guy that has a lot of potential, um, that can be a good defender, and that can stay on your team, and then potentially learn from an Andre Robertson, um, and then maybe, you know, maybe he, maybe the Thunder can't re-sign him whenever it's time for um, his restricted free agency, but maybe they could trade him and get something else out of him, but Anyways, I just it's that's a really interesting thought. I don't I have no clue how to gauge what his value is around the league or what, you know, Miami thinks of him. Um, but I think that that's I think it'd be smart to try to nab one of these, you know, wings that have not panned out from the draft because a, a lot of times these guys just need a little bit more time. Yeah. 
All right, we got to fire through some. We got to fire through some games here because I've. We both don't have much time left. So, Thunder play Washington on Tuesday night in Washington, six o'clock tip time here locally. Uh, This Washington team is is weird. They've really struggled as of late. They came into Oklahoma City. The Thunder beat them pretty handily uh, the other night. Uh, The Thunder, like we mentioned earlier, without Robertson. They've got two wings that can score. What are what are some maybe more more concerning things or anything of note about Washington? Well, uh, I mean, Ferguson closed against them, so I mean, he did. That's true. <laughs> and um, Billy decided to put Paul George against Bradley Beal consistently, and and basically Ferguson was switching in, almost immediately to to other guys. So, I mean, it will be interesting because part of the win was just us being nuts uh, that night, and so let's see if OKC can put on a more sounded performance, like with um, maybe a few more um, three-point shoot for uh, three-point shot for, for Melo, which was not very good in that game, mm-hmm. if I recall well. And, and yeah, the pick and roll defense will be is always an issue against Wall and, and Gortat. And I felt like Adams played an amazing game defensively. Oh, yeah. So that is the thing. Like the stars of that defensive yeah. team against yeah. against them the other night. Yeah. Roberts Andrew was not that effective. Uh, yeah, against Washington, they started to foul him a bit, yeah. and Billy decided to to play Ferguson. So uh, they, they will seek revenge, Washington for sure. Mm-hmm. And so this will be like an interesting game. Yeah, and Russ was in Brad Beal's ear that whole night, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. it was great. There, during timeouts, I got to sit. Carson Cunningham gave me his seat um, on the floor, and so I got to sit right there, right in front of the scores table, and you get to hear. Yeah, Russ. I saw your picture. Get to see what you were there. I know. I owe Carson Cunningham like so many things. He's been such a great dude uh, to me, uh, and I have an, another thing, obviously, with with him giving me his seat down there. But um, yeah, it was it was cool, and I thought that John Wall had the weirdest body language. I don't know if that's like a consistent thing with him, but he seems so disinterested the whole time, mm-hmm. like during timeouts, and he's a, you know standing away from the team. It was it was very very odd. But I mean, I've seen him one game like that, so it's. It's not to say that he's maybe not like that every game, but it was weird. Uh, the Thunder play uh, Denver in Denver. So they're on the road for a couple games. Uh, it's a 9.30 tip. Oh, I hate that for Thursday night. Uh, 9.30 tip uh, for the Nuggets. The Nuggets, uh, they, they're a good team. They've won three in a row. They've won three of their last five. They're still without Paul Millsap. Uh, Wilson Chandler missed a game due to illness, but he should be back by then. Uh, Kenneth Fareed has missed the last three games with some ankle soreness. Uh, he may be back by then too, but it doesn't matter because they have like 5,000 power forwards anyways. Um, you know, this is a solid team. Like it would be a really solid yeah. win for the Thunder to go into Denver, which is a tough place to play in general because of the altitude and beat this, you know, beat this Nuggets team. That's a really, really good offensive team. 11th in offense, they're 15th in defense. Like, this is a solid team. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's just another quality opponent for the Thunder to show up against and, and to beat. There's not really too many perimeter guys for them to have to guard, so it's not a night where the Thunder are going to miss Dre all that much. You know, the same thing goes against the Pelicans Friday night, and then the same thing goes for Sunday uh, against the Lakers. So it's not like this is a week where like they needed Dre so badly. It's not like they're playing the Rockets or any team like that. Um, 
So this gives the Thunder a chance to kind of pull together a defense against some pretty, like Denver is a pretty solid offensive team. It just gives them a chance to to kind of gel a little bit and move move on without Andre and get a good look at this team before the trade deadline. If if there's any silver lining uh, to the Dre injury and there's just not one, uh, but if you're like digging deep to find one, it's that this happened, you know, at the end of January instead of you know the end of February. Because if it's the end of February, the Thunder are just absolutely screwed. Um, yeah. So it gives yeah. them this week gives them a good chance to see you know. You know, exactly what they need and they got to see it a few weeks ago but i think you get to see it in maybe a little bit different light because it was always oh dre's coming back like we don't have to worry like this these problems aren't going to continue um but now it is what it is with the thunder yeah it, the, that one is a great point because i mean now if you play a position it means that you can keep it for yeah. the season Mm-hmm. So it, it changes the perspective. Uh, but to be quick on um, Nuggets and and the Pelicans, I think that the Nuggets and the Pelicans um, have like the same kind of issue for OKC of having like a very mobile center on offense yeah. that does too many things to be uh, like um, compared to to the usual centers and so Stephen Adams will be uh, asked to do a lot of stuff and I mean I think that the Gary Harris uh, is a very good player especially on cuts and so like off-ball movements are still a problem for OKC especially with uh, Robertson not there Um, so that is the I mean the scary part on playing the Nuggets and for the Pelicans, I mean it's so sad for them Uh, they were like a fun team to watch because that that the like twin tower duo uh, was great, and um, I mean, it's it's very it's very unfortunate to have the Marcus out of the season. Uh, for OKC, that means they don't have like um, a very good center uh, with the reserves, and so that probably is um, is good for OKC. Yeah. Um, and Lakers, I mean, we know what they are. Uh, I hope that Lonzo plays. And I mean, I want to see it twice. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to see uh, the Lakers with Lonzo against yeah. OKC. Yeah, same here. Yeah, the Pelicans are are really banged up. They're without Tony Allen and Solomon Hills miss all the season. Now you have Demarcus that's out. And you know, I mean, if you remember, Boogie got thrown out of the game against the Pelicans earlier this season, and the Thunder. I think they were maybe up down by two or something like that. And yeah, the Pellies went on a run without them, and there's like some maybe something to it a little bit that this Pelican this Pelican team just plays different when Anthony Davis is the focal point, uh, and the Thunder just did not adjust well to that. Uh, but that was a much different Thunder team at the time. Like they were still exactly. just had no identity offensively, and Melo's taking crazy amount of shots, and nobody knows what they're doing out there. So I expected a much different matchup. Uh, you know, Drew Holiday is still a good player. Um, but they're really, I mean, they just struggle to find quality NBA players on this squad outside of Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Each one more has been good for them. Uh, Rajon mm-hmm. Rondo has really not been good for them. Uh, they've gotten some, oh, no. gotten, <laughs> gotten some out of Darius Miller, who's come over from overseas for a few years. He's back, and he's been pretty decent. Uh, other than that, like, they struggle to find good minutes from guys. And so, you know, second night of a back-to-back, but it's back at home. Uh, in the Chesapeake Energy Arena. It's an 8 o'clock tip um, for the Thunder. So I think, you know, being back at home, I think that helps. They may lose to Denver on Thursday, but then maybe 
be able to come back, bounce back. You know, the Thunder have won several games on the second night of a back-to-back, so that hasn't seemed yeah. to be a huge problem for them. Uh, and then they get the Lakers at home. It's an ABC game on Sunday, 1 o'clock tip. Uh, it should be a fun game. You know, playing the Lakers is always fun. The, this Thunder team, for whatever reason, just wants to destroy the Lakers, and the Lakers usually just roll over on their back and let it happen. So, um, you know, I hope that we'll, we'll see a more competitive game from the Lakers because they can be frisky. You know, they beat the Rockets in Houston this season, and it would it's just nice to see more competition because – and that last Lakers game may have been the most boring garbage time <laughs> of the season. It was yeah. terrible. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Thunder have a lot of winnable games, and you know they're on this win streak. You know they could extend that. They could lose in Washington. Like who knows? But I think that we not now know that this is a good NBA team. And last night they really showed something to me. I was really worried about how they would respond, but they were fantastic. And so I really think they figured things out. Uh, with the chemistry between Russ and Paul George and Melo really accepting his role and having fun with it and Steven Adams continuing to be a monster. And now, you know, Sam Presti gets to do what he does best and that's go find guys, you know, for this team. Like go go make a good trade, make you know, make this team better. And, you know, over the past few years that's what Sam Presti has done, you know, in the wake of uh, you know Kevin Durant leaving. All he has done from the, from that point forward has made this team better continually through trade, and so I ex- you know expect more of the same from Sam. Like he he's one of the biggest assets that this team has. And now, you know, last week I thought you know maybe the Thunder don't make a trade. You know I don't I don't know what they would do. I don't want them to mortgage any of their future they may have with any of these guys. Uh, but things are a little bit more dire now, and I, I I do expect something to happen. So Sam Presti has a big job ahead of him over the next couple of weeks, and uh, so does the Slender Squad. Um, anything else before we go? No, I think um, last thing, I will tweet live during uh, the ABC game because it's early here in Italy, yeah. so I can do that. What time is that for you? Uh, uh, it's 8 o'clock. Oh, uh, that's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, like for once I had like the right time. (laughs) Great. Uh, follow him. If you want to hear the, see those live tweets, follow him on Twitter at Mikey Berra, M I K Y B E R A. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So follow, follow him. He's great. Just in general, like throughout the week, he always drops some really smart stuff. So follow him, follow his project chart underscore side. If you love the NBA draft, just look out for tweets from chart side. Also, they uh, tweeted out some charts of DeMar DeRozan from season to season, and that was really cool. So great stuff there. Follow us on Twitter at down to dunk uh, You guys are just the best. Continually, our listeners are the best. You guys, we got over 300 five-star iTunes reviews. That really made my heart swell a little bit. You guys are just the best. So continue to leave those. It means a lot to us to see that. When people write notes, it also means a lot to us too. So... Uh, please do that support all of our sponsors. Uh, you guys are just the greatest. So keep being you listen to us on Wednesday. Alex Spears will be on to do a long episode of trade calls. So be ready for that. And we'll talk to you guys then. 